0: Hey everyone, Matthew Collar here. We'll get into the show in just a second, but first gotta tell you about Abner Maris, a world champion boxer, Olympian sports commentator, and most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes and other people who made him the boxer he is today he will discuss the state of boxing sports music culture and his american dream listen to on the hook with abner maris wherever you get your podcast episodes in english out on tuesdays and episodes in spanish are out on wednesdays all right let's get to the show Hello welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And Courtney, there is so much for you to do on this podcast. I have laid out many entertaining ways that we can toy around with the Vikings being 1-4 and four and losing in epic, incredible fashion to the Seattle Seahawks. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> okay. We're going to start right out with this. Just jump right in. There is no preamble here. I want you to rank the five most Vikingsy losses of the Mike Zimmer era. I made my list. I came up with a total of 10, and then I chopped it down to the five most Vikingsy losses. And this is up for your interpretation because this doesn't have to mean the worst losses that they've mm-hmm. had, just the ones that are very Vikingsy. And I want to know if the game against the Seattle Seahawks made that list of your top five. So you've made your five, and I want to hear them, and then I want to give you mine.
1: Yes. I, I, that one does make my um, my list. I think that just the way that they lost, that like they were the better team last night. Like, they looked like the undefeated team, not the Seahawks, for a majority of that game. Of course, you lose Dalvin Cook, and everything goes haywire there, and the third quarter is an absolute disaster. But they're able to bounce back, and – run the ball down Seattle's throats and then they're in a situation to win the game and they couldn't. And then they're in another situation to win the game and they couldn't. So, I mean, it's like, how much more devastating can it get than that? Like personally, if I was a player on this team, if I was, you know, a member of this organization, this one, I thought about it. Like I couldn't stop thinking about it last night. Like this one would take me a while to recover from. Like, I don't know how, maybe I'm just like not mentally tough, (laughs) <laughs> but like I don't know how I don't know how you recover from something like this when the game literally all you needed was half a yard and you relied on your strength. You relied on what had been working and then all of a sudden it punches you in the face and you're like, Whoa, what happened? So yeah, I mean, this is definitely on my list of Viking Z losses under Mike Zimmer. Um, but yeah, the um I, I don't know, how do you want me to do this? Do you want me just to kind of go through like you know one to ten one to five like so i'm happy to do it
0: that way start with five and count down to your most vikingsy loss of the zimmer era and just to add on to what you said there i ran the numbers and toyed around with them last night after recording the post game podcast and it's amazing the odds that the Vikings had to win last night using your your company's win probability models, 96% on third and four. So if they get the first down, it's over. All you need is four yards on two plays. They're not able to do it. They had still an 86% chance to win when they gave Russell Wilson the ball and then had even a 70% chance to win as he was driving and converted the fourth down. They were still favored to win the game heavily and yet found a way to let it slip. And that is partly what I use to influence my list uh, when we do mine. But why don't you start with five and then just count down to your most Vikingsy loss of the Zimmer era?
1: Okay. Can I can I also like have some honorable mentions too? Because this was kind of a difficult yes. thing for I have um, five
0: honorable mentions. So yes, yes, you may.
1: Okay. All right. So number five for me will be December 26th, 24th, 2016, 38-25 loss at Green Bay. Um, this one, I was not here covering this. You remember this game well. What do we call it? The Mutiny on the Fox River?
0: Yeah, or a Rogue One series. <laughs> Rogue When, one. when the yeah. corners decided that they didn't want to do what Mike Zimmer asked them to do. Yes. Okay, and that's Dave, an interesting he- one. This was not on my list at all, actually.
1: Xavier gets nervous, and it was just like all of these, all of these, like, honestly, it set up so much, like, so many great talking points and just like inside jokes between everybody on this beat. Um, Of the way that that game was handled, the way they lost uh, that game. um, One of the, you know, worst, not a great defensive performance at all. One of, like, the most, I think it was the top. most points given up under Zimmer in the Zimmer era. Uh, until that point in 2016, mm-hmm. it held for a while, 38 points. Because when they gave up 43 to Green Bay in week one this year, that was like they gave up a lot of like the worst performances they've had defensively in terms of like most points allowed have come against Green Bay, which is oddly enough, um, just kind of bizarre uh, that it's the same opponent. But like the second, third most points ever given up in a Mike Zimmer. It, it, during the Mike Zimmer era, was against Green Bay that year, uh, 38-25 loss to uh, the Packers let on me Christmas
0: add, Eve. Let me add on to that one, because uh, I believe that's the game where Nick Easton fumbles the ball uh, by himself. This, he was playing center and fumbled the ball by himself, and after the game, someone asked him what happened, and he said it was the dew on the grass. <laughs> that, <God>. the <laughs> just, that see, now that's an interesting approach because I went mostly for games that kind of swung the wrong way for them or had some you know bigger significance, but that particular loss had many memorable type of things, even though it felt like at that moment, the season was over. One more thing to remember from that one is that Adrian Peterson played the week before he had a key fumble. They got killed by the Indianapolis Colts. And then uh, Adrian Adrian just decided uh, I'm not playing again. Yeah, exactly. And I remember uh, feathers were ruffled at that point by him deciding he was just, you know, going to call it a day. So that, that's a good number five pick.
1: Okay. Um, my number four pick, Vikings-Rams 2018, um, that one was where it all kind of came apart. I mean, that's where you knew the 2018 season, because the week before they lose to Buffalo, yep. um, just completely shocked. The Everson-Griffin situation kind of threw them off on a short week. They go to Los Angeles, and then the defense is getting whipped up and down the field. They allow a perfect passer rating to Jared Goff. And the game is within their reach, and Kirk Cousins drops back. um, Well, (laughs) another inside joke. How deep do you have to be on a play-action drop? Nine-and-a-half yards. No, we don't ever want to be more than seven seven yards, seven-and-a-half on a play-action drop. Just like the back-and-forth and, and like, reading between the lines between offensive coordinator and quarterback. And that was where I've never seen Mike Zimmer so exasperated with his pass defense. That's kind of – I remember he went down to the ranch – they had a couple of days because they played the Thursday night game, and that's where he kind of tried to like fix it mm-hmm. uh, at that point. But yeah, that was, you know, for another gut wrenching type loss when that game was within their reach. And obviously, the Rams go to the Super Bowl that year. Like that one, I think, really stung a that lot. That
0: was um, the You Tell Me game after yes, Cousins was, was strip sacked at the end, and someone asked him what happened on that play. And he said, You Tell Me. Uh, and you know, why I like this pick, and this is another one that did not make my list. But why I like this pick being Vikingsy is because it has sort of been the definition of the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota, where every time they're in a national TV game and he's got a shot to win, they lose by exactly one score every time, and something goes wrong with a turnover. Every time, whether it was 2018 against Chicago and they lose 25 to 20 or it's that game or it's what we saw last night or it's last year against Seattle having the ball in his hands with a chance to win, it just is the definition of when you have a big game that we spend the whole week hyping about how you could win, you come up with the biggest turnover at the worst time and don't win it. So I like that pick.
1: This is hard because, like, as we're talking here, I'm f- I'm waffling, like, because I feel like my list is so predictable, personally to me, because I have so many. You bring up that Chicago game, and I'm like, both of those in 2018 yes. would have been on the list, and yes. neither of them made my list. They're on my honorable mention. Um, okay, yep. But number three, NFC Championship. I And I and people are going to be like, wow, this one's really low for you. Yeah, um,
0: I'm surprised it's number three.
1: It is, because, and maybe there's some recency bias, because you'll obviously know Viking Seahawks is either one or two. Um, but this was a game that they just, like, no-showed in. Like, they look great on the first drive. Case goes down and scores a touchdown. And then they just get annihilated. So it's kind of like it was so short-lived. And all of the talk of the hangover from the Minneapolis Miracle game, like, not saying it's like I can't blame them, but it's like what did you expect? But that's how I've always approached the NFC Championship, considering that was my first year covering the beat and just kind of how I felt covering that game, being like, yeah. Like that's expected because of what they just went through the past six days. So, um, that's number three for me, 38, seven.
0: Okay. Like I have, I'll wait to say more about that because it's on my list.
1: Sure. Okay. So then number two, I actually put Viking Seahawks 2020 because okay. wow, the, the amount of chances, like we can critique this till we're blue in the face. And honestly, I have, I've thought through every scenario last night and, you know, I would have run, I would have gone for it too with Alexander Madison. And you can bring up the point of, yeah, well, he's not Dalvin cook. Dalvin cook would, would let his rushing lanes develop. He would have better field vision. He would cut outside. He wouldn't go up the gut. Well, you can't keep playing the hindsight game. Dalvin cook was not in the game at the point at that point, Alexander Madison rushed 99 yards in the second half. The run game was working. You go for it on fourth and one. But then again, it's like there's so many other play calls that you could question in that. The the Q you know, the design QB run for the two point conversion that was botched. That's a big one that we're not talking about. The blitz on fourth and ten, leaving your rookie corner wide you know, exposed, looking like, you know, Squidward out there with his arms <laughs> trying to, you know, figure out what he's doing against DK Metcalf. I just I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like there were so many other things that we could have beyond that call. Like I like the call. I'm never going to like criticize Mike Zimmer for being aggressive in that moment. Like you're one in three seasons on the brink. You're running the ball. Well, what do you have to lose? I would have gone for it too. But like, because there are so many other things that we could pick apart from this game and be like, well, did they lose the game here? Was this the right call? That's why it's number two, most Vikings E loss for me.
0: um, Let me me just follow up real quick on that to say that the reason that it makes the list, and I wanted to do the list because I knew it would be on both, is that it has a signature moment, though. Like That is the yes. signature moment. I agree with you that you get a half a yard, QB sneak it maybe next time. You get a half a yard, game's over. Russ never has touched the ball again. That's the difference maker for me. But if they kick the field goal, the odds are still against Seattle, and I still believe that they lose it because of the way they played it. Uh, and, and there just were so many things that were memorable in terms of turning points. What if you don't throw an interception to a linebacker who's standing right in front of you? (laughs) What happens if your guard is in a complete disaster and gets penalized four times and then allows somebody to strip sack your quarterback, like all these things that go into it. Um, And it was a brilliant defensive schematic performance by Mike Zimmer. And yet it gets completely wasted on the final drive. And by that decision going wrong, I mean, think about the odds of getting a half a yard on fourth and one are extremely high. That's why the league is going for them all the time now. And they already converted two fourth downs and yet they get stuffed in just classic fashion for one of these losses. So, That's uh, the reason that I wanted to do the list. It's the reason it's definitely on the list. But I don't know what your number one pick is. I'm very curious. Seriously, you don't? I do not know. No. I
1: honestly am kind of like disappointed in myself because I think I'm a cliche with this. I mean, Blair Walsh.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: Like I'm kind of cliche, this. There's other candidates
0: here. There are so many.
1: There's so many. But like, I just felt like. Of all things that, like, punch you in the stomach and make you want to keel over and die, if you're a Vikings fan, it's probably that one, because (laughs) when I first came here in 2017, and I was, like, learning more, I mean, I, I grew up in NFC North territory, so I knew about the Vikings, I knew, you know, some of the history of the team, but to truly dive in and get a temperature, take the temperature of this fan base kind of in that era, um, the Blair Walsh thing kept coming up, and I still feel like I hear people talking about it like the old era would talk about the 1998 NFC Championship, yep. things yep. like yep. that. So that one, in, until there's a changing of the guard, until there's a new era in Minnesota, that one's going to continue to be, I think, the most vikings Z loss ever okay. under Mike Zimmer.
0: Great pick. It's not my number one. It's on my list. It's a great pick. So I'll give you my list, and then we can go through some of the uh, honorable mentions and then move on to more important things like the Kirk Cousins trades that people are tweeting me. Oh, gosh. Um, So here's mine. (laughs) So I had to add a little something to this. I had to add non-wins as opposed to losses. Tell me if I broke my own rules here. I went non-wins.
1: Oh, man, you cheater, because I know what you're doing here, because that one was on my list, too, and then I was like, well, it's not technically a loss. Is that number five?
0: It's, it's my game, so it's non-wins. And yes, that is number five. Missed field goals by the kicker that you drafted and booted out. The kicker that made one in the divisional game in the in the Minneapolis Miracle. You get rid of Kai Forbath, and right away your guy misses a bunch of field goals, including a last uh, second one in overtime. To win you come away with a tie it was a ridiculous game back and forth they were down in the game cousins plays incredibly we're sitting there thinking wow this John D. Filippo is a genius he's got it all figured out and then the field goals just miss 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 and yeah I mean an incred-
1: and then the next day they cut Daniel Carls- yes
0: <laughs> yes which is the cherry on top to have this be extremely Vikingsy uh and then he becomes a good kicker somewhere else but yeah you know, anyway don't
1: don't forget, too, Stacey Coley didn't know the rules yes. of fielding a punt.
0: Yes, yes. And um, if you remember, there were, like, crazy quarterback uh, roughing the passer penalties that happened in that game. Kirk threw an interception at the end that should have ended the game, but they called an extremely soft penalty. Kendricks got one-two in that game. It was, Laquan Treadwell caught a touchdown. Yeah,
1: the first of his career yes. on a skinny post. I yes. remember
0: it. I remember it well. Yes, that's to me that's the fifth most Vikingsy loss of Mike Zimmer's era. I went with last night as fourth on the list. Okay. and extremely Vikingsy for all the reasons we laid out. There's a signature play. there are all sorts of chances to win that is the ultimate like snatch defeat from the jaws of victory or however that saying goes last night. I went Detroit 2016 because Blair Walsh, Missed field goals in that game. Matt Prater had to hit one from the moon to tie the game and send it to overtime. And then Golden Tate throws Harrison Smith and goes into the end zone, does a somersault, and almost loses the ball. It was a crazy one where uh, Zimmer mismanages the clock and Rhett Ellison, a tight end scores on a handoff, uh, all these things happened. Treadwell had his first catch of his career, which he celebrated the next day. It, I mean, that one was the wildest one of 2016. I think you could also put their loss to Philadelphia, the fat cats get slaughtered game. Uh, but uh, <laughs> still not 100% sure what happened with the stuffed animals, so I left that one out. Um, but being 5-0 and and then having a collapse loss right after the bye week is extremely Vikings-y. That was a, an honorable mention to me. Uh, I think we I w- could
1: probably put the, uh, the what, 3-11 and 11 finish for them. That whole thing can be the most Vikings-y loss of 2016.
0: I mean, there's so many in 2016. The fact that Bradford on Thanksgiving Day throws an interception to the uh, Lions, he threw an interception. He only threw five the whole year, and two of them lost games. And the other one yeah. was in Washington and uh, lost to Kirk Cousins. So yeah, they, went,
1: they went three sorry, not three and 11. They went three and eight after the box. Yeah. Three and, eight, right. eight, eight, and eight that
0: year. Uh, so I had Seahawks playoffs 2015 as number two, and I have the NFC championship number one. And here's okay. why not just because, okay, they got killed in an NFC championship, which is vintage for this franchise, but. I had it number one because if they won, they would have been playing the Super Bowl at home for the first time ever. And only Minnesota Vikings football could accomplish something like having one win away from being the first team ever to play the Super Bowl at home and then get up in the game and end up completely demolished a pile of purple rubble at the end of the game. I just think it's the most Vikingsy thing to ever happen. There's my list. Yeah.
1: Because, I mean, no, your list is good. And, I mean, just to kind of compound on that, I mean, everything was right there for them. Like, history in the making never before happened. And, of course, they don't even, like, show up.
0: So, Magical team, happens. backup yes. quarterback, just all, like, check every Vikings box for this one. So I decided yeah. to go and with then,
1: that one. No, um, I think th- I think your list is terrific. Um there's so many good honorable mentions though. Like as like number six on my list was Vikings-Packers Week Two of 2018, which was a tie. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, let's remember, guys, that, that was non wins non-win. That was actually a tie because I remember like with like that was the new year of the overtime rule, right? Wasn't that the first year of the new overtime rule? And that's kind of the game that set them up for failure for the you know, why they were chasing their tail for most of that mid part of the season until they fired yep. D. Filippo, it's because Dalvin got hurt that game. That was where he got the hamstring injury. Oh um, I forgot and that. for so many weeks and he's like trying to come back, comes back too early, and then they're like lost without him and blah blah blah. And I mean the whole twenty eighteen season, they're very there are a lot of Viking Z losses mm-hmm. in that one. Um, another one I was gonna put on there I mean, number seven for me was Chicago 2018.
0: Yes, yes. Like, chance Very to Very hard in, to leave off. Yep.
1: Chance to back into the playoffs. Um, you have a schism on the sideline between yes. your yes. Pro Bowl receiver and quarterback, having route running clinic. The other team's benching the their thing. starters
0: by the end, and you can't okay. get anything going against them.
1: Yeah, that was a bad one. I think you could honestly chalk up so many of these Chicago losses. Um on, on this list somewhere.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, their Chicago. History against Chicago 20, is at, incredible.
1: Chicago, uh, at Chicago 2018 was another vikings Z loss.
0: Gosh, Chicago 2016 also, where yes. they go in there it, and they're supposed mean, to kill the Bears.
1: And his eye, that's like where the eye thing happened, is it yes, not? Yes,
0: yes. And I had, so I had Bear, I had both Bears 2018, Bears 2016, and I also had Cowboys 2016, where yes. Zimmer can't coach, can't coach. then they leave because of a missed call by the referees on a two-point conversion, which is very Vikingsy to have a call go yeah. against you, so Wow, as crazy as the loss was to Seattle, I think the point is not uncommon. Um, I also had losing to Matt Moore in Kansas City on like a 50-yard Harrison Butker <laughs> field goal was. Yeah. Um, so
1: would you would you put the Buffalo loss on there?
0: So this was a debate. Uh, I sent my list to Eric Eager, and this was a debate we had because there's sort of like Vikingsy losses where they get b- badly upset, and it's baffling and that goes like buffalo indianapolis 2016 um and then there's sort of the classic vikings losses i I mean i think there's a case for it because they were what the biggest um favorite that entire year i think in that game and they get Mm -hmm. killed so yeah i think you could you put it out there
1: okay that's fair
0: so there you go. Yeah, Vikings fans are uh, carrying around a lot of scar tissue. So uh, let me ask you this. Would you like to get a little more into some of the details of the game, or do you want to hear about these Kirk Cousins to. trades, though? Do you want to hear well, those first? Well, go ahead, go
1: ahead and give me some of the Kirk Cousins okay. trade trades. know that your your Twitter mentions have been Unreal. Uh, toxic today. <laughs> I I honestly like haven't even paid attention to Twitter today because I'm like, you know what, there's not going to be any sort of civil discourse um over this loss I think fans are just so exasperated with like how like even as someone who covered this game and just kind of like sitting afterwards you know it's weird not traveling to begin with but then you know to kind of like sit and decompress at like 1am being like what the hell just happened (laughs) like it kind of took me like it took me till like 2am before I fell asleep because I just kept thinking about it I'm like wait a second like did my eyes really deceive myself like on, on so many different things last night. Like, how did that happen so quickly?
0: I want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen it yet, you've got to check it out. A couple of my favorite designs are the Duck Duck Gray Duck and the Randy Moss Goat, which you've got to see. Uh, all their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. By the way, use promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's SOTASTICK, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. I felt the same way. I woke up this morning just, like, really tired from what had happened the night before. It was mentally exhausting to watch that game. Uh, So here are the trades that were either emailed to me or tweeted to me that involve Kirk Cousins. And I want this to be a new bit that we go over all the time. It's like the new trade ideas that fans are coming up with. Uh, After watching Jimmy Garoppolo play poorly, Vikings fans wanted to trade Cousins to San Francisco for Jimmy Garoppolo presumably I guess and then draft someone next year uh what do you think of that
1: (laughs) it's honestly if if they're because pretty soon we're going to get into the territory of the tough decisions they're going to have to make and then like laying forth every scenario and do you how do you handle cousins because you gotta you got like 48 hours after the league year starts to decide if you're going to pick up his option for 2022 or not so the Garoppolo one is the trade is the only one feasibly right now in October, 2020, that makes complete sense to me because, or any shred of sense, because this former offensive coordinator, it's the guy who, you know, wanted him there in the first place. And obviously Kirk went to Minnesota before Kyle Shanahan ever had a chance to get him. Um, It's the only team I could see because Shanahan is such a cousin's believer Mm -hmm. that would make any shred of sense. Uh, to incur that cap hit, and then what do you get for Garoppolo, and is it really an upgrade, is it is it a lateral move, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's the only one I can make sense of, so I actually kind of like
0: it. Jimmy G seems to be playing hurt, which I think is why they took him out of the game. It's crazy, though, that only eight months ago they're playing in the Super Bowl with a lead in the fourth quarter with Jimmy Garoppolo, who was 21-5 and five as a starter, and then now – People in San Francisco are saying, oh, he's not good enough. He's not good enough. And with Cousins, the thing about this one is how much power does Kyle Shanahan really have? And how much better does he really think Kirk Cousins is than Jimmy Garoppolo? And can he convince John Lynch of that, their general manager? Mm -hmm. That's where I can't see this uh, even ever getting anywhere is – you go to the general manager and say, hey, you know that quarterback that you traded for and you paid who took us to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I want out. I want him out. And I want this other quarterback who never wins anything. That's who I really want. The one who's one in four with his team and has lost a couple close games in part, you know, because he couldn't come through on a final drive and then, you know, turn the ball over. You know, yeah, that's the guy I really want. It's not the guy who got us in the Super Bowl with a late lead. And that—that that is where it's a really tough sell, even if If Shanahan does love himself, some Kirk Cousins, it's like how if you are them and you're incurring such a massive cap hit from Cousins, it's 31 million next year, 45 the year after, I guess the plan would have to be to extend him. I mean, is John Lynch signing up for that? I just can't get there. I mean, it would be crazy. You'd also have to have the Vikings general manager basically saying, oh, yeah, I was wrong about Cousins. I I know that I doubled down a couple of times on Cousins, but, yeah, actually I want him out.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we may see that situation happen in March because they have to decide, are they going to lock themselves into him for 2022 very early? Mm -hmm. Like they don't even – gosh, the way that contract is structured is just straight genius because he makes his 2022 salary – before he's even before he even plays a snap of you know off-season football in 2021 it's wild but um you know I look at that situation and I think about Kirk and Shanahan and to me the only way it would work is because Shanahan can convince John Lynch like I know this guy this is my guy I can get the best out of him I am a believer just trust me on this and it's kind of like well what does he have to lose if he makes that argument? Because he is the only, like, one of him and McVeigh have been really the only few that have gotten a consistent Kirk Cousins. But what does consistent Kirk Cousins yield? It's seven and nine seasons, nine and seven? Like, yep. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's a tough sell, but that's but that, the yeah, only no. way I could see it work, Of only person I could see it work with, because he loves him. That's his guy that would have been his guy in San Francisco to begin with. And maybe they think that they have the right pieces, even though it's a very similar, it's a Shanahan, I me mean, Kubiak is running a Shanahan, a Mike Shanahan style offense. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan runs a Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan style offense. So maybe you think that it could be better. I don't know.
0: I, I think it's such a lateral move and Cousins' contract yeah. is tougher to deal with that it's hard to see that ever working out. And especially, I mean, just bailing on a guy who took you to the Super Bowl is pretty tough to do. Now uh, I'll give you two more real quick. Uh, The other one was now that Dallas has a quarterback issue with Dak Prescott being hurt Mm -hmm. and out for the year, and he is not under contract going forward, trade Kirk cousins to Dallas now. So they can save their season. Sean Manning can start and you can be in line to draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or, Trey Lance. That's another one that was floated to me.
1: That's an interesting one. So, and are these great?
0: I love that people are sending them to me. Send them all.
1: No, I actually I, I do like that one because you know my thought obviously is like, what is Dak's future? Like, is he going to be the same guy when he comes back? I saw today that his timetable is a four to six month rehab process. I also saw Jerry Jones, or I think it was Stephen Jones, one of the two said something about how he's in our plans for the future, et cetera, et cetera. Do you believe that? Or is that just them trying to, like, you know, say the right thing when they look like they played hardball all offseason? And, of course, he gets hurt while he's on the franchise tag. Like, I don't know what to believe. Um, the one that I've kind of heard just dovetailing off that is, like, what about Dak Prescott coming here in 2021 mm. or 2022 when his foot's better or ankle? And would that be – Better, cheaper and better. I don't know. I don't know if it would be cheaper. I mean, now, sadly, probably would be, but
0: yeah. uh, And I'm not sure how much better off you are there. I mean, I think the DAC is probably a little better than Kirk Cousins, but there's a lot of the same sort of tendencies, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the running element, but then you're talking about somebody whose ankle has been torn to shreds. So yeah. that's a tough sell there. And I think most people would rather have the rookie and have the rookie contract and at least be excited. Like if you're Los Angeles right now, the Chargers, you're at least excited about Justin Herbert. I still don't think he'll be great, but it's interesting from week to week. And I, I think that that's where Vikings fans, when they see those interceptions or the fumbles from cousins in another big game. And you look at like, okay, well he won the saints game on a final drive. But aside from that, not too much of those to speak of the entire Mm -hmm. time he's been here. I think just, It's almost gotten monotonous for Vikings fans to get excited about a Sunday night game or a big game against the division opponent and then just get not the performance that you needed to win the football game, even if he's good, which he was against Seattle. So there's a lot of frustration there. Now, let me give you one more, and that is trading a third round pick for Dwayne Haskins. Because Haskins could be your backup now, and then potentially you could turn it over to him if you decided to move away from Cousins.
1: But what would you end up – do? so do it now is what you're saying?
0: Yeah, do it now. So he's your backup, and then uh, you cannot keep Cousins and then have Haskins be your quarterback. I mean, I don't like this one because I, I think don't. that – Haskins being benched is such a horrible sign for his future, but I can see where they're coming from with that. Because if you went with Haskins and then still drafted someone, you kind of just try to increase your odds of maybe finding your Tannehill who got dumped by another team and Mm -hmm. then still drafting someone to compete with him. Would
1: you, would they draft somebody though? Would they draft somebody worthy enough to compete for that job? But that would actually be like a, have a legitimate shot because you're not going to, if you do that you're still not drafting in the top 10 to where you at least in the top five let's say that to get you know maybe a trey lance but i don't know is he gone by five or six before the yeah, vikings probably get to him? probably so probably. it's like who, what are your options then it's kind of i don't know i don't like that one how about
0: um, how about this one i just made this one up cousins for sam darnold straight up jets wanted cousins once upon a time they wanted to pay him a ton of money sam darnold is with a horrible team and a horrible franchise that might be ready to give up on them in frustration. Yeah. I, I like this. it.
1: I, li- I like it better than your Haskins one. Not I mine. That was
0: Twitter's. Mine was the Darnold one, but the, I like uh, it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is going to be an ongoing bit. So if you have Kirk Cousins trade ideas, send them to me and I will read them. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about last night. Tell me what bothered you the most, or actually would you like to do a pie chart of, things that are bothersome. Sure. Like, not to. exactly of blame, but just of that's things bothersome. That... Uh, so let's start with the right guard situation. Oh how, how much out of 100% these things are bothersome. Uh, the fact that Cam Dantzler was the target of the night and got roasted. That's another one. Uh, the fact that Kirk Cousins had his typical – big mistakes that left the door open in a game that you should have won. And let's see one more. Um, Let's go with that. The defensive line could not create any pressure in the second half against Russell Wilson that they did in the first half. got four sacks and then they didn't in the second half and still basically are not really creating a whole lot of pressure. So we have cousins mistakes, the lack of, uh, pressure in the second half, Cam Dancer being picked on, and the right guard. So it's kind of a half – it's like a blamey but also a like what drives you crazy sort of pie chart.
1: Okay. Let me do the math here.
0: 65. Do, 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 do. What drove you insane about the game?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um. Okay. I've got that as Kirk. All right, here we go. Okay, okay, so right guard situation, I put a straight up 50% (laughs) of his pie chart. Here's the thing. For so long, and I tweeted this during the game, like I felt bad for Drew Samia. He looked miserable on the Mm -hmm. sideline. He was getting whipped back and forth. There was actually one good play there in the second half. Um, I think it was on the Phelan six-yard touchdown um where he looked okay. He he kept somebody from like decapitating Kirk he Cousins. He
0: picked up a safety, I think.
1: Yes, and it was it was decent. So but other than that, four penalties. And other than that, he was getting walked right back into Kirk Cousins or just completely pushed onto his back and it just it looked sad. Like it honestly looked like a guy who, you know, shouldn't have been playing in the game. And I think the frustrating part for Vikings fans, um they are, you know, they are led to believe what we put out, right? And it's like we had been told for so long that Drew Samia just needed the red shirt year. He just needed some time to go through the process of, of becoming an NFL player. And they drafted this guy in the fourth round. He ran his own scheme for Kyler Murray at, at, at Oklahoma. I mean, he was a really good offensive lineman. He played right guard. Like, all these things that kind of lined up. To lead you to believe that it's eventually going to work out. He just needed some time to develop. So the fan base takes what we have to report on that because that's what we're being sold. I mean, I'm not in practice every single day. I mean, we're there for attendance, but I'm not there watching his development. I mean, you could see enough during individuals of just like even last year being like, this guy has not got it together, but like to truly know if he's grasping the position. Mm-hmm. we'll never know until the games and and clearly he's not. So it's like, I think the frustrating part there is, you know, this guy is still playing this position. Ezra Cleveland, your second round pick that you guys put at guard when he is a tackle and going to be starting at left tackle next year after you cut, after you cut Riley reef, um, you know, why is he not playing in place of Drew Samia? Is Drew Samia really the best? What the hell about Oli Udo? Like, who's that guy? And, and where is he? Like, that's the frustrating part. It's like, you have all these extra guys. Aviant Collins. Mm-hmm. Is he really that bad that he can't start over Drew Samia? Like, you have all these extra bodies. And Udo's, like, you know, always inactive. So I'm like, well, what's the point of keeping him around? I thought he needed a quote-unquote redshirt year, too. So, mm. um. I think it's just the frustrating part of it where I don't understand the decision. Like, is it just that they don't want to look silly for drafting this guy in the fourth round or, like, kind of concede, yeah, we, we made a mistake here. He's just not very good. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but that's the fr- The 50% I gave that this this area was most frustrating to me is because, like, we saw this coming. And we were kind of given the runaround for the entire offseason this year, which was also equally as frustrating after being told, give it time, it's going to work
0: out. Well, I want to give us a little more credit than you are giving us because I remember having a conversation after watching his first preseason game of his career and going, "This might not work. <laughs> this well, is bad." I remember
1: uh, that. No, but yeah. I, I just, we talked I, about I, he might
0: even get cut. He was so bad in training camp his first year. Sure,
1: and I, I just meant to say, in the terms of the development process, yeah, like, yeah. you know, we're not there in practice, you know, in this in the midst of December when you're seeing this guy. Four or five months into however many months, six months into his first year of his NFL career, being like, okay, did he actually grasp it? Because he's not playing last year, so what's this whole redshirt year thing about? Is he actually developing? And then he gets to camp this year, and he's immediately not starting for any job, and then Pat Alflin gets hurt, and this is the best you can do.
0: I want to know who's in charge of this decision because my impression was always that Mike Zimmer is in charge of everything, but if it came to the offense, you know, maybe his position coach, Rick Dennison would have more control over this or Gary Kubiak would have control over this. Or is it the front office making a decision and saying, sorry, we're not getting you anyone else because we want you to develop young players. And that's just the way we're going with this. We're not going to play anybody who's older, but, I mean, this has gone past the point of, oh, yeah, well, he just has to do this and this and he'll be better. It's like, no, he has to do a million different things. He looks like an XFL player. I mean, this is so far beyond in terms of the level of his play, just, oh, well, he's starting to get it. You can see the signs. No, you're not seeing any signs with Drew Samia. And I just, like, I was thinking last night, how many things are more frustrating than Drew Samia? Like, political arguments on twitter i mean like what like i don't know it just there's so many things that this team has tried at the guard position over the years and to never really get it right outside of briefly in 2017 is really astonishing and i i just i want to know how you can go this long without running into uh a good guard. Like think about you and I playing golf every once in a while. We're both bad at it. Like the rest of the nation, every once in a while we hit it on the green right next to the hole and tap it in and feel great about ourselves. Like you should just look into a decent guard eventually. And the fact that it has not happened is kind of mind blowing. And then the fact that you'll just continue to run someone out there who is nowhere close to NFL starting level week after week, uh, I, I just – I don't get it. And I especially – like, why do you keep bringing back Brett Jones if you're never going to put him in? That's another part I that I just don't understand. He was fine when they had to use him.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, cutting Josh Klein. Like, you you thought that was a good idea? Like, you had money, at least at that point, enough to pay him. Like, or, you, you know, cutting him after you said, hey, you have to take a pay cut. And he's like, no. Like, <laughs> they, they – it's just – I think it's just the – The the frustrating part is, yes, they've spent draft capital on on guys. Like, yeah, some of it hasn't panned out, but just like it keeps being a glaring issue for this team for years and years and years. It's the it's the elephant in the room, the offensive line. Like, we know it's not very good, the interior. But like, we know this, yet it's not fixed. So, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, ah, I don't know. It just you know it's par for the course. I guess it's what you expect for this team, but it's like you then, then, then can see that Kirk's not going to be very good, but you can't, you have no semblance of a drop back game. And that's a problem. Like, me. God bless. Um,
0: Sorry. Couldn't hit the mute button fast. <laughs> I'm no. allergic to talking about the offensive line. We've done it. Yeah,
1: through. that's it's, it's true. And it's just kind of like frustrating where you look at this thing now. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how it's going to get any better. Your pass protection is your weakest link. Like, Don't call the cornerbacks your weakest link. That's low-hanging fruit. We knew they were not going to be very good this year. Your pass protection is a serious problem. You knew you had to upgrade the interior of the offensive line. You didn't. And right now you're thinking, huh, what's Tom Compton doing?
0: Come <laughs> back <laughs> right. and play? Right, right. Is Josh Klein in shape? Um, I want to do this. I want to go, like, rapid fire real quick because you still have to pick the Vikings uh, the oh, rest gosh. of the schedule. Just real quick, stuff that went good for them in that game. Um, Zimmer can scheme even – Great quarterbacks against bad defenses to give them trouble. That went good. I also think that Jeff Gladney and Mike Hughes played really well in that game. So yeah, Hughes Hughes had
1: that big stop at the goal line, that big pass breakup. Yeah. Um, I thought Hughes played well last night. I mean, this is you got to think about it when we're talking about next year already. They've got to decide soon on his fifth year option. So I think Hughes needs to string together a very good second half of the season uh, in order to kind of turn things around for himself. And last night was a good indicator that he can do that as long as he can stay healthy. Um, I mean, this was the Mike Zimmer game plan. Keep the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. Well, except for, you know, the final part of the game, but like, think about like how effective they were at doing that, keeping him limited to what three drives there in the first half, like time of possession battle, one third downs, one, like, everything they were statistically the better team um which i think is what makes this this loss even that much more infuriating um do you want me to go through the rest of my pie chart
0: oh yeah wow we really really went off on a wild tangent you
1: you you saw your saw 50 percent you're like wow i don't um, even
0: that's amazing i forgot we were even pie charting at that moment someone just said drew samia and my head turned into flames uh okay okay, so So the most chart again (laughs)
1: It's like the most the per, percentage, frustrating percentages. Yeah, uh, percentages yeah, and yeah. frustration. 25% yeah. I gave to the defensive line not being able to stop mm-hmm. Wilson or um, you know do anything in the second half. And, and this is just like a matter of like once you watch the All-22 and like figuring out, okay, well, what the heck happened? Because they looked pretty good there yep. in the first half of that game when they were pressuring him with a four-man rush. And a lot of times they were getting to him. Um, you know, with less than with less than four, so they sent four fewer pass rushers on ten of Wilson's fourteen dropbacks in the first half. That was plenty because ten dropbacks, they pressured him six times, which had which yielded four sacks. Unique and Gakway looked good. Afadio Afadi Denebo looked good.
0: Yeah, um, another good game. But
1: this is yep. but this is kind of the point where, and I tweeted something about this last night. Like Al Michaels, when they introduced the defense, was talking about make the defensive line and he admit you know had used the term salary they're in salary cap hell for a lot of the broadcast but he specifically referenced that with the defensive line and it's like eh kind of but like that's when you're really going back months and months why they let Everson Griffin walk and why they let Linville they cut Linville Joseph
0: they They traded for Ngakwe and yeah. signed Michael Pierce. So it wasn't well, they, really Cap Hell that caused the defensive line true. to be like that. True.
1: Well, the defensive line is like this because Daniil Hunter's not playing. Right. And Michael Pierce opted out. So it's yeah. like, that's the frustrating part because they had so much potential to be a very, very good defense that could finally, you know, pick things, pick up the pieces and kind of move forward with this new era with a younger group, um, have a dominant pass rush, maybe not, you know, maybe the. The three technique would still be an issue, which Jaleel Johnson is is just like not a very good football player. Like he's got to go. Like the Drew
0: Samia you know, of the defense. Honestly. Yeah, pretty like,
1: essentially. Um, it's
0: less noticeable than a guard who is getting demolished, but it's the same thing.
1: Yeah. Um. They, that's that to me is like priority one A and one B. Go find a three technique. Go go find somebody. Whether it's if you're honestly, I know fans are gonna hate this. My gut's telling me, first-round pick, not going to be a quarterback. It's going to be a defensive tackle. I, I agree am, with you. I, I, agree I, can with see you. It. I can see it um, clearly. But, yeah, that, that to me was 25% of my frustration because I'm like, you guys played him so well in the first half. Obviously, yep. they were going to make adjustments. Obviously, Russ was going to get out of the pocket at some point. But, like, the fact that they couldn't generate any pressure and then you're blitzing on that entire series – um, in, you know, you send the blitz, the house on, on fourth and 10 and what was it? was it? Hughes or Gladney off the edge that like, you know, it, it couldn't get to him in time. And that's why he hit mm-hmm. Dantzler or he yep. hit, it hit Metcalf who had Dantzler with the Squidward arms and you know, everything was just, <laughs> just wild. Um, okay. So that brings me then to.
0: You got Dantzler and Kirk. Dantzler.
1: I put Dancler at 10%. Uh, of the frustration thing. I'm sorry. I'm not going to throw him out there to dry because yeah. he's a rookie. He's been not playing a lot of games this year. This is only his, like, second game back from injury. Um, What do you really expect, like, against Russell Wilson? Like, this whole season, what do you expect? They're going against, like, future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Like, there's nothing I I could – I've told you would have been any different if I would have projected this out myself before this game happened. So I only gave him 10% of the blame. And then Kirk, you know, had he had more than 15 seconds, I think at the end of the game to go win this thing, I think I would have probably given him a higher blame. I gave him a 15% blame because honestly that strip sack was not his fault.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: If he, every time he's releasing the ball in the second half, he's getting hit, that's a problem because he's not somebody that can overcome the struggles of your offensive line, which goes back to my being very frustrated at the right guard situation. Yeah. So I give Kirk fifteen percent, Dancer ten, D-line twenty-five, Trusmire fifty percent.
0: Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring even more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online today, take a of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word, betonline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, with Kirk, uh, he played a really good game overall, but yeah. in classic fashion, there's always that mistake that's just mixed in against good teams who will make you pay. And we do point see conversion so too often. Like, that, yeah. That's on Kubiak. I don't know. It's on,
1: it's on Gary, but Kirk also last night I asked him about it. He said there were options that oh, like that. OK, that, he,
0: so it he was chose a, to run
1: is a designed run, but he had options, um, you know, within all of that. Let me read you the quote because I was curious about that um, and I didn't really understand. He's like, there's options there. Based on the look, I can make the decision. I saw an open a gap. Obviously, KJ Wright dropped and came over, but When I made the decision, I felt him on my left and rushing, or at least dropping, so I thought it was me and the safety at the goal line. And if I could just basically make contact at the goal line, I could fall in for a touchdown. Then obviously K.J. spilled over, and he was really the one that made that play. Mm. So he had the option for the QB run.
0: So another decision that we could put down as, okay, that was on Kirk. Okay.
1: Yes and no. I mean, should there have been a design run right there?
0: Of course not. Yeah, of course not.
1: So I'm just like, Gary and Kirk blame for that one but no I mean you're right there is kind of those I wouldn't say there was a signature cousins moment like um the
0: pick to KJ Wright standing right in front of him it's pretty I think. terrible that's yeah that's that was the classic one. yep that's like, the you're on national TV and here's the interception that you always yes, throw a pick
1: your your brain fart moment yeah like yeah that was that um gosh honestly in a game like that sometimes I forget about that one <laughs> like just so many so things so much more
0: happened yeah
1: sure um but yeah this is the situation that we're in right now um there's a lot of blame to go around a lot of frustration
0: well i take the blame but- for getting uh, so flustered that i forgot that we were doing a pie chart so great <laughs> okay. great work on the pie chart you turned it around quickly and executed it well unlike the vikings defense on the last drive so uh why don't we pick the vikings and that'll be it for today yeah, epic breakdown of an incredible game last night. Uh, let's start out with the Falcons next week, who just fired their coach and GM. I think they're going to lose. I think the Vikings wow, are going to lose okay. this game. Yes, I do.
1: Because think about the little boost that the Houston Texans got. Yeah. Um, from firing Bill O'Brien, trying to rally. I don't know if they think they're going to save their season, but they're going to win it for Romeo Cornell. Um, I think Atlanta just, you know.
0: Win it for Raheem Morris.
1: Yeah. Like, why not? And, you know, they're – they're not a slouch. Like, their offense is really good. Like, they're kind of like the Vikings of the NFC South in a way. Like, their defense just, like, can't help themselves. And the offense, in a way, is, I mean, they can score they can score a lot of points, but can the defense, like, can they, can they not put the ball in the hands of their defense to try to win them games, too, or have some special teams blunder?
0: So they go to one and five, then. Mm-hmm. At the buy. Wow. Okay. One and five at the buy, and then play the Packers in Lambeau on November. In 1st. Lambeau, that'll be a loss. One and six. The Lions then play the Vikings at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium.
1: That's a win. Two and
0: six. Two and six. All right. Uh, at Soldier Field, do I even have to ask? It's on national nope. TV. You
1: sure, you sure don't. That is a uh, two and seven start.
0: Two and seven start. We got the Cowboys at U.S. Bank Stadium on November twenty-second.
1: I actually am going to give them a win for this one. Okay. Um, I don't know how differently the – I, I kind of have some – I've, I've waffled on this one. I know you and I were talking about it. I actually feel like the Cowboys could be better now for this, um, considering how disastrous their start to the season was and just how ugly it looked. And Andy Dalton's probably the best option that you could potentially have league-wide mm-hmm. as a backup quarterback. Um I still think the Vikings win this one.
0: So 3 and 7. 3 and 7 you've got Teddy who's 3 and 2 by the way, uh Te- Teddy Bridgewater and Kevin Stefanski both having winning records. <clears throat> so uh <laughs> the Panthers will come in and play the Vikings.
1: They will and the Panthers will take a dub. So that is a loss for the Minnesota Vikings. They are three and eight.
0: Three and eight. Then uh, the Jaguars will not have Doug Marone coaching by that point, I don't think. What are you doing there?
1: Uh that's a win, four and eight.
0: Four and eight at Tampa Bay. Brady might be washed, but that's still a tough one.
1: <sighs>
0: so you're at three and four and eight, I mean, going into Tampa.
1: It's a loss.
0: Okay, four and nine. nine. Chicago comes here. Who knows who their quarterback is at that time? Plus, if they melt down, they might have a different coach.
1: Yeah, so I'll say that they'll be. That's five and nine
0: at this point. Five and nine. On to New Orleans, who's benching their top wide receiver because he's getting in fights in practice, punching people. I don't. Appar-
1: apparently, the start of the, their season. The, the DB that he punched was is like, from what I've heard, is kind of like the DB who's like trash talking everybody all the time and like trying to rile you up, but Mm. he's, like, he's, like, not intelligent enough to, like, he would be the one guy who, like, bites and, Mm. you know, punches this guy. Like, he's been – I just – I think it's hilarious that that happened that way.
0: So we're talking about – what do we got now? Five and nine going to New Orleans on Christmas Day.
1: That's a loss. Remember I always picked this one as a win?
0: Yes, yes, but that was before all of this happened. Uh, And the Lions – so you're, and, you're 5 and 10 playing at Detroit.
1: That is going to be a loss.
0: I feel like they split wow. with Detroit this year, so 5 and 11. A 5 and 11 season for the Vikings. Yep. Now, a fun exercise. Not, really quick, how different would it have been if they beat Seattle? You picking the Vikings. Pretty probably, different, it, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's a momentum changer even even after what they went through last night, if they were still able to pull off that win, I think it changes the traje- trajectory of the season. They're going into Atlanta hot, like, or, you know, home game, like they'd be riding on top. Like, I don't know. Like I said at the top of the show, like, I really feel like the mental toll that this mm-hmm. type of game takes on you might be too much to overcome.
0: Yeah. I think this
1: one, that this one is tough.
0: I, I probably, the only one I'd be different on you is probably Atlanta. I still think that they win, but you make a fair point, though. The teams always get this little we-fired-our-coach boost, and the Vikings' morale has got to be uh, in the dumpster at the moment. So, whew, so much happened there on this podcast. And uh, you know what? People may be down, but I'm excited about all the things that are going to happen still. So, off we go.